You are now listening to the Claim It podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. We get into the journey of their lives and how they got to where they are today because I believe that our feelings of being enough, successful, worthy, fulfilled are not out there somewhere. Once I do this, have this, be this, then I will feel it. Nope, it's up to us to claim it for ourselves every single day. On today's episode, I have Vivian K. She is amazing and you're going to love her and you're going to love her energy. You're going to love her. You're just going to love her. But she's the founder and CEO of Kinky Curly Yaki, which is a premium textured hair extension brand for black women that she grew to over a million in annual revenue. She's a business encouragement coach. She's just all around amazing and great energy. And I just want to get straight into her story. All right. So I like starting with early-esque ages. You could even talk about what was your childhood like? But I feel like especially like teenage years when you were like starting to become like individualize ourselves more, but also it's like standing out, sticking, you know, want to stand out and also like mix in with the crowd and also the realization of like, uh, I'm going to be an adult soon. So what am I going to do with my life? That sort of thing. And like pressures from family. Like, did you know, did you have an idea of what you thought you wanted to do with your life or what was teenage time like? Okay. Well, I would say as a teenager, well, one, I'm one of four girls um, and I'm the second oldest Okay, and I was the black sheep. Like I've always been the black sheep. And so then, you know, my three sisters were, you know, my mother's pride and joy. And I was the one that was like, "Ah, I'm not quite sure what to do with that one. And so I was always, you know, I was always a very, um, I was an extrovert in high school, so I, I enjoyed music. I enjoyed drama. I enjoyed English. Not so much this maths, the sciences, like, you know, the more logical stuff. Like, if I could use my creativity, that's, I excelled at that. But if you asked me to use logic, I was like, what? I mean, why does <laughs> one plus one have to equal two, really? And so then, you know, because I was, and, you know, at the time, you don't really know. And, you know, I'm an immigrant, so I was born in Ghana. Uh, and then we came over to Canada when I was uh, when I was just two years old, and so you know you do your parents, especially as black immigrants, you know you do your best to try and fit in. You don't want that one child that's like you know we hate all white people. No, that's not. <laughs> no, 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 you don't do that, right? And so then, um, so I spent a lot of time trying. Well, people or my parents, I guess you could say, and teachers spent a lot of time trying to fit me into that square, like to fit me into a box. So, I mean, I think a lot of us have that pressure, but more yeah. so immigrants, black yeah. families from yeah. in that they do not want you. It's not, oh, that's cute. Explore your creativity. Mm-mm. Trying to constantly steer you back into a box. Yeah. Like, let's get into this box. Let's not um, rock the boat. Um, let's just do what we came here to do, which is, you know, have a better life and make some money <laughs> and then die. I was not, I was not really trying to do that. Right. So, you know, I was, yeah, I, I, I say now, you know, I was, they were trying to put me into this box. They were trying to make me a square, but I'm a parallelogram. I'm a rhombus. Like I'm all the crazy shapes that people are like, that sounds familiar, but I don't know what Exactly. It is. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> 
cars. Let's, did she just name a real shape? I don't yeah, know. it's like they're both real shapes: parallelogram and rhombus. What do they look like? Not entirely sure, but I know they don't look like squares, right? And so that was that was really what my childhood, like, were my teenage years, because. Like, even when I graduated from high school, I won an award. Like, my friends were all winning, you know, English awards and scholarships for math and sciences and all that. And I won the Change Your Future Award. And I really, now that I think back at it, I think it was just an award for somebody that they, they know they're going to do something, but they're not quite sure what it is. But we got to give her an award because I feel like, you know, one day she's going to mention it when she's blown up and popular and all that. We want to be part of that. So here's an award. We want to know, we want people to know that we recognized something in her. Yeah. And, and yeah, they, so they recognized something in me, but you know, being high school, they didn't actually give me direction as to what I could possibly do. So I aimlessly went to post-secondary and I started doing, I went and tried to study anthropology. So I like the idea of studying people, studying cultures. Like I've always been you know, I prided, this is going to sound terrible, but I always, it was really proud of myself that I could tell the difference between a Cambodian, a, a Vietnamese, Japanese, Chinese, like I could tell the differences, the, like, you know, I loved just knowing people and getting to know them and their cultures and the reason why they do things and, and all that jazz. So I thought that's what I wanted to do. I get there. It uh, turns out I'm not, I'm not very good at structure. Like I'm not very good at, and I see this, right. But of course I just think I'm just a terrible person right? Because nobody- like, You're not good at school. Like I'm yeah. failing. I must not be smart enough. I'm not good right. enough. Right. But no one bothered to say, you know, there's a, there's book smart and then there's just life smart. Right. And so I, I struggled and, and that uh, sort of led me into like a depression because I was like, well, my sister's all graduated and here I was struggling, right? And I was supposed to be that child that was supposed to do the big things. And I couldn't even finish post-secondary, right? So um, I was really disappointed. My parents, they didn't necessarily verbalize that they were disappointed, but they were like, okay, well, we tried, you know, type thing. Uh, and so then I, I just went into the workforce. And one of the first jobs that I had was in a call center, working customer service. Um, what I forgot to mention was I went to French school. So I learned French from grade six all the way to the end of high school. Grade six is like what? A middle school, I guess. All the way through the end of high school. So I used that to my advantage because I'm bilingual. Uh, and I live in Toronto, Canada. So being bilingual, it gives you a leg up on whatever jobs are available because they tended to pay more. Um, and they sort of overlooked the fact that, it, you know, they would overlook a couple of things because you spoke French. So for uh, so me, you didn't end up getting the degree. No, no I but dropped out. Yes. You were fluent bilingual. So that gave you the leg up. And so then I was, um, so I ended up in positions. And because I was bilingual, I tended to be the only person in the department or the only person doing what she does. Uh, so I had several jobs where, you know, I was either managing customers. Uh, and then I went to work for my first startup. And in my first startup, again, I was just the only person. So I was the customer service. I was the marketing. I was the brand. Like I was all those things. And it was where I really got a taste of, I guess, entrepreneurship or I guess in real life, right? Because even my mom, um, because we came from Ghana, my mom supported us 
by um, working in the markets. So, you know, if you ever see those pictures of women carrying children on their backs and, and goods on their heads, I was that child on my mom's back. But, you know, their entrepreneurship is more about survival as opposed right. to I'm sick of my nine to five. And no, this is they're, they're entrepreneurs out of a necessity. And so then I got my first taste of entrepreneurship at the startup and I loved the freedom that I saw that these, these two guys that I worked for were having. And plus I had freedom to sort of give direction as to what, you know, we could possibly do. And on that job, I learned how to do things like HTML, um, you know, the early starts of digital marketing. So the company that I worked for um, had a, it was actually um, before its time. So it had an app on the BlackBerry so that doctors could write prescriptions on the BlackBerry. Yeah, that's how oh. I'm aging myself. The BlackBerry. <laughs> it was the precursor <laughs> to, you know, the smartphones that we know yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I so had that, BlackBerry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so that was, so I got a, a real taste of being an entrepreneur in that, in that time frame. Um, and, you know, I just sort of took it and filed it in the back of my head. Wasn't really thinking much of it. Uh, and then I got a job as a marketing coordinator. And when I got into that role, I was like, oh, I really like this. Like it, everything seemed to come natural to me. And when you were switching companies and jobs, mm -hmm. was that like companies dissolved? You were feeling like it's time for me to move on? Because I think, you know, that's also interesting to me that I feel that many people will just take a job and then they stay there and stay there. Right. And stay oh, there. no. Even if they don't like it and there doesn't seem to be room for growth. Like a lot of people, it's easier for them to be uncomfortable where they are than let me even try if I see if I can get another yeah. job. Well, for me, it's like because, I, you know, the early starts being, you know, working in customer service and working in call centers, because I was bilingual, I would just search out opportunities that just paid me more. Right. So that's how I kept moving through those jobs. And then with this customer or with the with the startup job, um, that company actually got acquired and then they got, got acquired it. and then they didn't they got acquired into a bigger company. So they didn't really have a, you know, a use for me. So then I had to seek another position and then sort of charmed my way into being a marketing coordinator, although I didn't have any background in marketing, right? And so it was there that I learned a lot about, and this was like a corporate environment, um, where I learned a lot about marketing. And um, from that position, actually, I got fired from that position. But it was interesting because I had done, like, it was it was one of those nightmare positions where um, my boss, I was, I think maybe like in a year, I was maybe like the third person she'd hired in that position. And she kept finding it. Like, she was one of those people who just would just find things wrong. If I went to the bathroom, she felt like I was in the bathroom for too long. So I'd have to leave sticky notes on my monitor telling her, you know, saying be right back. Or, you know, it was just getting ridiculous. Seems like a great work environment. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> and everyone that worked for her worked like they felt like, like it felt like a uh, what's it like a dictatorship. Like it just felt it was just terrible. And when she let me go, the, it was then like the president of the company was like, okay, there's something wrong with, there's obviously something wrong with this, per like with her, because yeah. it can't be that all these people that she keeps hiring, that there's something wrong with them. I remember, <laughs> I remember this one particular instance, I had bronchitis and she thought I was faking it. And I had never been so sick in my life. Um, and I remember at one point she had forced me to come in. And I was in there like coughing my lungs out. Like it was terrible. Like that's that, I still have it. And this was like 
15, 16 years ago, and I still have recurring bronchitis. But she thought I was faking it. But long story short, they ended up canning her because there was nothing wrong with me. Right. But, and so then it was, you know, sort of like that validation, like, okay, because I'm going through life thinking there's something wrong with me. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this and that. And then this happens. And then I felt validated that, okay, well, the, the president of the company thought, okay, enough's enough. We're going to get rid of her. It wasn't me. But at that point, I, I didn't want to go back anyways. Yeah. Um, and so then I ended up at this one position where I, be, again, became a one person marketing department for a franchise company. So here again, getting a little bit of a taste of being uh, of that entrepreneur life. So I was doing marketing on behalf of um, entrepreneurs who own franchises. And so then I would go, I traveled around North America, uh, you know, basically selling their business, like selling their businesses. And I got it, you know, through that company and the boss that I had there was just, he was just, he was awesome. Like he was the best mentor at the time. I didn't know that's what that was because he was just my boss, but he was the best mentor to have. And he encouraged me. And and the funny thing is the reason why he did is because he saw himself in me. So he had started up at, you know, he started up at a movie theater and he was the usher and he worked his way to like the VP of, of the company and he didn't have a degree. And so then he, he saw, you know, the charisma and he saw that, you know, I'm able to, my ability to roll up my sleeves and get stuff done. Wait, can we curse on this show? Oh, yeah. Oh, get shit done because shit's more better than stuff um, <laughs> to get shit done. And it, it sort of set me on this path. So, you know, so this is over 10 years. So what I just told you took place over 10 years. And in 2005, my older sister got married. And she wanted, she had hired a decorator and the decorator had said she wanted to, she will charge her a thousand dollars to do some decor. And then two weeks before her wedding, the decorator said, I need another thousand dollars. My sister didn't have that kind of money. So she ended up having to fire her and hiring a different decorator. And then that decorator came in and did a craptastic job. And one of the things that I noticed about the whole process was it wasn't that it it couldn't be that it shouldn't be that complicated to get to pay somebody to get exactly what you want. Yeah. Right. Um, At within your budget. And so then I've always and through the company that I'd working that I was working for at the time, I it was real estate related. So I dealt with a lot of real estate agents and this was when staging home staging was really becoming Mm. a thing. Yeah. So at first, one of the businesses I thought that I would try my hand at was home staging because I love decor. Um, I love HGTV. Like it was just, it was, I was always watching it and I thought, well, decorating weddings can't be that hard. (laughs) Can't be that hard. So in the, so in the summer of 2005, I launched Vivian's Decor, which was my first business, which was a wedding decor company. So what I did was I'm the type of person who not only am I a parallelogram, but I can look at puzzles or I can look at really complicated things and I can simplify them. And so then I just looked at the wedding business and I said, it doesn't need to be this complicated. Why are people spending down payments on houses to decorate a wedding? 
And then I thought, you know, let me ask, you know, when I started and, you know, I knew I could talk, I knew I was really good at customer service. So I was really good at getting, you know, selling myself and selling yeah. the business that didn't really exist. You need this. This is going to make it like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and now I'm going to make, I'm going to do it within your budget. And, you know, one of the yeah. things I would ask brides is, you remember the last wedding that you went to? Mm, yes. Well, okay. Do you remember the decor? Yes. Well, do you remember exactly what the decor was? No, but I remember it was pretty. That's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to make it look pretty so that people remember it was pretty, but you're not going to spend, you know, $300 on a centerpiece. And so then that was, that was my first Smart. business. Was that even the question? I just. <laughs> oh, it's great. What you've been doing is great. No, this is great. Like I, like you're basically doing the work for me without me having to guide you through oh. your, your life story. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, but when you started this, had this first idea for this wedding decorating business too, did you start that, uh, like on the side at first? Did you quit yes. your job? No, no. I mean, I was already a black sheep and, you know, being an entrepreneur was not a sexy thing back in 2005. Um, right. So but this was remember... something you were keeping your job with the franchise oh, yeah. and the marketing yeah. position. And then I can do this because weddings are mostly on the weekends or probably yeah. that, the sort of thing. Like, let me just try, try yeah. this. Yeah. It was my coach bag money. That's what I called it. It was my coach bag. <laughs> so I could buy, my goal was to buy a real coach bag. So then was that even like the idea that this will become my, like, I'm going to start a business that will then become like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. You're just, I'm going to no. do this on the side because I saw my sister side. go through this and that's yeah. not right. How yeah. can I? Got it. Okay. Yeah. I'm one of those people who just sort of jump off cliffs and figure out the parachute on the way down. So that's what I did. So um, I had no idea how to decorate a wedding. So then what I did was I hired, I hired people who do decor or sorry, that rent, that rent decor items out and hired them to decorate weddings. And then I would watch how they did. I am very quick. I can just watch and I can pick up stuff. So then I would watch them and figure out, okay, well, I don't like the way they did this. So I'm going to try it this way. And that's, that's how I learned how to do it. I'm very, I'm very, um, I, I'm hands-on. So I'm always, that's how I learn. I have to do it myself. And so then that's how I learned how to do decor. And I looked at, you know, the big companies that were selling $20,000 packages and thought, well, what can I do for $2,000? And I would scale it back to $2,000 and I was successful at it. And how did you put yourself out there? Um, at the time, because I'd learned all this stuff on the job, I'd learned SEO. Right. I learned, you know, when SEO was, you know, um, when it was still, um, you know, keyword stuffing and all that stuff. But I learned SEO very early on. I learned how to do graphic design. So I built my own website. I knew I had to get social proof before social proof was a thing. Um, like I use a lot of my natural talents and instincts to figure it out. Yeah. All right. So I, you know, I took what I, and I took what I'd learned from these corporations and these nine to five jobs and applied it to my business. Not necessarily knowing if they would work. I just thought, well, if these big guys could do that, then I could possibly do it. So it was back then even online primarily. Right. Built yeah. yourself a website. And this was, yeah. And this was before, you know, being online was, yeah. you know, I, I, people were online, but not it, online, online. Right. Yeah. Now we like live online. If it's not online, it's not real. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Got it. So then what was the next, um, was, did that business end up being successful or where did you end up shifting out of that? Or do you still run that? No. Oh no. I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't think you do, but who knows? You'd be like, yeah, but no, I've got no, this no. business. And this 
Oh, no. Um, no, it ended up being like a six-figure business. Like I, I did really well for myself. And then in 2010, in 2000, I want to say in 2009, the boss that I had at that franchise company left to go be a VP at um, the, the place where he had started. And they replaced him. Like, you know, he was sort of like a ragtag kind of guy. Like we were just a ragtag crew. Um, and they replaced him with like a, a, a guy that used to work at Sears, like, you know, corporate soldier type, you know. So totally different totally different way of leadership. Style. Yeah. yeah. Um, where he required me at my desk, you know, at all times and, you know, reports and rah, rah. like it was just not my style of leadership. Right. And so then uh, he figured out very quickly that we were not a fit and he let me go. And when he was letting me go, like I was, you know, I was sort of like astonished because it's like, wow, I thought I was doing really well. And he was like, well, you know, you're just not my style. Um, and besides, you have your wedding business to fall back on. And I was like, wow, okay, buddy, screw you too. <laughs> so I ran, so I ran Vivian's decor from two, the, in 2010, I went full time with it. Okay. And I was like, well, you know, cause at the time I was just, it was just me buying coach purses. And I was like, oh, you know what, 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 what do I have to lose? Right. Yeah. And Why course, not try this? I already have a business set up instead of looking for another nine to five. Yeah. Well, I did look for another nine to five, five, another nine to five job because I didn't know anyone who did, who was a full-time entrepreneur. Right. Mm. And so then it was really scary. But then right. it's harder I, to believe something is possible when you haven't seen it, even if it's a different version of that exactly, possibility. Yeah. Exactly. And even then, like I took on a job that I worked for two entrepreneurs and the more I watched them, I was like, I can do this. I can do this myself. Like I can, you know, I can make it happen. Right. Cause if I'm doing this, if I'm successful doing this half ass, imagine if I put my full ass into it. Right. And so then that's what I did in 2010. I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to do this full time. And, and it took off because I was able to, you know, more focus and, you know, do more marketing and do, you know, shows and events and, and, you know, create relationships and networking. Like it was just the whole thing. Like I loved it. The only reason why I gave it up was because I had a baby. <laughs> I had a baby. So this was, so in 2010, um, I ran the business. I ran that business until 2015. Okay. But so it was like your full-time thing for five years or for, yeah, for three? It was, yeah, for five years. Yeah. For five years, it was a full-time thing. So I ran that business for eight years. Wow. Yeah. I ran that business for eight years. And while I was running that business, um, I, I decided I need to solve another problem, which is what should I do with my hair so that it looks quote unquote presentable? Because I was serving, um, you know, I live in the greater Toronto area and I was doing everyone's weddings. So, um, and if you're a black woman, you sort of understand what this quote unquote presentable means. If you're not, I'll explain. So with black women, they're like, you know, women just have this pressure just to be, you know, skinny, blonde and perfect. We're black women even more so. So um, for the longest time, we were pressured to, to chemically alter our hair in order for it to be straight in order for it to be more quote unquote professional. So for the longest time we were doing that, but then in recent years, or, you know, this is back in 2012. So in recent years, it came to light that a lot of the chemicals that we were using to straighten our hair was actually detrimental to our health, right? We, we saw an increase of black women. There's an increase of fibroids and cysts and all those 
beautiful, yucky things that are happening within our body because of these chemicals that we're putting on our head in order to fit the beauty standard that is set out in front of us. So, and about, you know, when YouTube really started to flourish, we started saying, we're not doing this shit anymore. We're not going to put this shit in our hair anymore. We're going to grow our hair the way it comes out of our hair naturally, which is curly, kinky, um, you know, curly, tight, curls, coiled hair. But the problem with that is that our hair isn't suited to the North American environment. So, you know, in the wintertime when it tends to get dry and brittle. So a lot of us wear protective styles. That's what it's called. So if you're, if you see Oprah or Beyonce or Serena Williams, any black woman basically that you see as a celebrity, she's probably wearing a protective style. So I was tired of seeing protect. And so then, you know, protective styling is a thing, but the problem was they weren't, Kinky textures were was still seen as a bad as bad hair. Everyone wanted that quote unquote good hair, which was the silky looking European looking hair. And when you say protective styling, is that protective because it's protecting your hair? Yes. Or, so, what is that actually? So I mean, I, I understand braids, you like the healthy stuff, but yeah, like what that looks like. Yeah, yeah got so it, it looks like braids, it. weaves, wigs. Um, just because, so what a lot of us tend to do, like right now I'm wearing braids. Um, so my hair is here. We just add extensions to it just to make it longer. So we're not really seeing your hair because you're doing things to protect your hair. Yeah. So there's, I, you know what, it's it's a whole other episode (laughs) (laughs) to get into how exactly, but yeah, but basically we're protecting our hair from, because think about it. If you have friends that have curly hair, they're probably like, oh my gosh, my hair is such like, you know, it takes them. A lot of work. A lot of work. So imagine that, but tightly coiled. Right. Right. Well, and also I imagine if you've been chemically treating it for so long too, then also the recovery from now being like, no, 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 I'm not doing this anymore is different than if you've never even touched it. Exactly. Exactly. So for us, it was a lot of work. So sometimes it's easier to just protect it. Right. But, but we're getting to the point where we want to protect it with hair that looks like our hair. Like it looks believable. It looks authentic. And that's what I wanted for myself. But when I went looking for these protective styles or for hair that looked like my hair, it was buried underneath the silkier, more exotic looking textures that didn't blend with my African hair. Right. And so then I sort of took that idea. Like I saw that and I was like, okay, filed it in the back of my head. Didn't think anything more of it. You're just like, this is annoying. I wish this was a thing. But I was already running my decor Keep business. Keep going with my life. I, yeah, I love my, you know, buying the coach bags. I, I knew, you know, um, I knew running another business would be a headache. So I was like, I, I like my life easy. So let me just, you know, continue off my wedding business. So, so I sought to, I sought to, um, to solve my own problem. And while doing that, uh, you know, I was doing my own QA. I was doing my own research. I was going through, this was at the time when China was just opening up online where you could just contact them directly. And, um, and so then I happened to find a factory that made the textures that made hair that looked like mine. And when I asked them to make it a little bit more kinkier, they were, they were able to do that. And so I was fine. Cool. I, I wore a protective style and I went to a meetup and a black woman pulled me aside and she was like, girl, like, who's your hairdresser? What's your regimen to get your hair looking like that? I was like, girl, this is a weave. <laughs> so, and that's the highest compliment a black woman can pay to another black woman <laughs> is asking you who your hairdresser was when you're wearing a protective style. And so then I, she was like, wow, like, I love that. I would buy that. 
And so then that's when the light bulb, that's when that light bulb went off. Okay, well, if she would buy it and I bought it, there's got to be at least a dozen other women who would buy it, <laughs> right? So in the down season of the wedding business, in December of 2012, I launched Kinky Curly Yaki. And it is a premium textured hair extensions brand for black women. And it immediately took off. Immediately. Wow. And is that the same thing? It's just, okay, I know, build a website, you know, like online marketing, that sort of thing. So this was at the time when e-commerce was just becoming a thing for everyday people. Um, People were starting to just get comfortable putting credit cards online, right? Right. And so then, yeah. So then I was like, well, I know how to build a website because I, you know, I tinkered with MySpace and uh, Black Planet, uh, you know, all these different spaces where you could customize your website. And I knew HTML. I had a digital, I got at that franchise job, that boss allowed me to go and get some education. So I got like a digital marketing certificate. I learned how to use Illustrator and Photoshop all through the job. So I just took those skills and applied it to the business. But also, so are you dealing with a fact, the factory in China that you found your own thing with? Was that, because that to me, I mean, I, um, I manufacture a small product line, but one thing is done in China, but I use like an intermediate person yeah. for the, my affirmation deck. So that's also like high risk. I mean, you did done it for yourself, which is probably risky. Okay, I don't even know what I'm going to get. But then where did you also decide to start? Because I'm guessing also, do you need to make a ton of different like shades of color and like, you know, no. So then, um, do you start small or like, well, how it started was, so first of all, there are no kinky hair girls cutting off their hair to make hair extensions. So the hair actually starts out, um, as straight Indian, like Indian or Asian hair. And then what we do is we do a steam process in order to get it to the textures. So like, say for curly hair, we curl it around these metal rods to make the curl diameter, right? And so then, uh, so then I just worked with them to get, like I have, uh, we don't, like I don't reveal it, but I have certain diameters that I use for certain textures, right? In order to mimic Afro hair. And so then um, what I did was I just started with one. Like, that's how I started my business. Like, see this? So you see, you guys can't see it, but you see this Rubbermaid, like this yeah. drawer thing. So that's how, it's not this one exactly. I have it at home, but that's how I started my business. So I started with just five. Just one I option. With, oh. Yeah. Just with one op. Like, I think it was, um, it was four textures with three different lengths. And I oh. just started with one. Like I had one of each texture in each length in each drawer. And that's how I started my business. So I would sell, I would, you know, someone would buy one, I would take that money in the profit and buy two. And and I slowly built my inventory. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And even before that, I wanted to ensure, I wanted to make sure of the quality. So then what I would do is I would contact that same back, that same manufacturer under different email addresses just to get them to see if they're, okay, is this going to be consistent? Because they can do that where they sell you a great first batch and then everything else is shitty, right? So. So I made sure I did my own QA the way I thought it should be done. Like I just, you know, and then I also wore all my hair. So I always, I I knew how each texture was supposed to act and what it was supposed to do. Like it was a, and at the time I didn't know what I was doing. I was just, well, let me just do it this way and see if it works. And I just kept sort of throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what stuck. Right. And so was this then, are you still, cause you mentioned, well, then I had a baby. So was this... (laughs) 
where are we at? Where are we at? So I started the, the business <laughs> launched in December of 2012. It immediately took off. 2013, I'd done uh, just under uh, just under $500,000 in sales. Everything was going wow. great. And then, bam, got pregnant in 2013. And so then I was like, okay, cool. Like, this is great. Okay. Um, hmm, 36 years old. Um, having I mean, were a baby. You, it, like, in a relationship, I would like to have a family someday, just maybe not this timing or. Yeah. So I was in a relationship or a situationship. And, uh, you know, I had said, you know, hey, I'm 36 years old and I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a baby. Yeah. And he was like, nope. And I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> right. But then, oh. uh, so that's how that started. But then, of course, he saw that uh, he sort of came back and was doing the, you know what, you're doing really well in your business. You just have my baby. We should go half on a business. We should go half on a baby. Oh my gosh. Mm. Ooh, baby. Ooh. And I fell for it. Oh. Oh yeah. So he, you got pregnant. He's not up for having a baby at that time in his life. So you, when you, at the time when you have birth are you're not together. No, no. And then you're, at the, is the wedding business still happening? Yeah, wedding business was still happening. You're still running wedding business. Started yeah. the <laughs> kinky curly. <laughs> yeah, kinky curly. Okay, yeah. and then um, and then and he comes did... back and is like, "Hey, let's do this." Oh my goodness, this is great. Business is so you know you're. Ma- I see you're making money. So, <laughs> and at the time, I'm just like you know tired out of my out of my mind. I want my family. I want, you know, I want some, I need help, you know, all those things. So I was just like, okay, yeah, let's do this Even against my better judgment. Like my gut, like everything in my body was like, don't do it. 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 And I did it anyways. So you comes back in, like moves into home also mm-hmm. then like mm-hmm. what takes on a role in the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I'm guessing that didn't go Mm-mm. well. No. Mm-mm. that did not go well at all no bringing you a brief interruption to let you know of a couple things that have the power to shift your attitude shift your energy have you owning who you are one is my daily inspiration app it's called own your awesome you can find it in the apple app or the google play app stores you can come to it at any time pull a card and get a message to maybe have you thinking, maybe owning yourself, maybe thinking about things differently. You can also set a daily reminder time so that every day at the same time you get a nudge to go pull the app, go pull the card from the app. And it's only $3.99. There's hundreds of cards and you can also gift the app. Super cool gift. Also, I have a full product line. You can go to shop.yourjoyologist.com bestseller is the Own Your Awesome Affirmation deck, which is a 52-card deck of affirmations. And if you're looking for a little refresh, you're feeling kind of lost, stuck, not sure what's going on, or maybe you feel good, but just know you could be feeling better, check out my 31-day email program called I Am Connected to You. Each day, you get an email sent to your inbox that has you looking at things in your life. It's one like choosing your favorite song. Like, what are a good song that you want to have ready to put you in a better mood? One day, it's cleaning out your inbox. Another day, it could be cleaning out your closet. It's going to be things in your mind, in your life, looking at your friendships, your social media feed, all areas of your life, just a little email every day for 31 days, and it's only $33. 
Go to yourdryologist.com slash courses and you will find it there. All right. And feel free to DM me to ask me about any of these things at Your Dryologist. Let's get back to the episode. So then like, did you, how did that end? Were you able to get to a point of seeing, no, I'm not standing for this in my life and in my business? Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly what happened. Um, because it turns out um, he was having a thing with some high school thing, some old high school thing. And I was not aware. But he saw the success that I was having. So he thought he could eat his cake or have his cake and eat it too. And when I finally figured it out, like one morning, I just sort of woke up and put two and two and two and two and two together. Like, you know, when some things just all of a sudden make sense after, you know, you know, because when I was running a business, I was running a business and minding my baby. Like it was just the whole thing. Yeah. You're and like going, 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 yeah, going, going, yeah. crash. crash. Like, like that, yeah. I was down there. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, what is, what, what? Like I, I, I get just, I literally just woke up one morning and was like, the hell? <laughs> and the funny thing was, is that, and I'd given him 40% of my business. So he was, he had ownership in the business that was doing really well that he was doing nothing for. And so, uh, I just sort of woke up one day and I was just like, and I'd given him the percentage of the business thinking that I was trying to keep my family together. I was doing what was best for my son, but I was uniting your family. So we will unite the company. Like I'm showing you, I'm showing myself I'm in this fully. Let's like make it be. Yeah. And it turns out that I, you know, it was one of the biggest mistakes I'd ever made because I was doing this not for me. I was doing this for my son, which as terrible as it sounds, a lot of women do this where it's like, we're doing it for other people, but it's like, you know what? The best thing you can do is to do it for yourself. Because once you do something for yourself, there's a trickle effect. Your children will benefit, you know, everyone around you benefits, but if you do it for your children, you are going to be miserable and you're going to regret it. And you're going to, um, you know, you're going to be, uh, what's that word? It escapes Resentful. Me. Resentful. Right. And so then I learned, I woke up one morning and was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this shit anymore. It's over. And how old was your son? Uh, He was, this happened in 2016. So he was like a year and a half. And um, was that a hard, you know, a hard choice to kick, you know, someone out of your life that you trust anyway, and it created a partnership, but then this is the father of my son. Yeah. It sent me into uh, my second deep depression because I thought, well, look like, how, you know, I, I, I took, I don't want to say I took, I, because I, it was like, here I was running a million dollar business, but I could not keep a man. So that's what I was wondering. If instead of you being like, all right, F this, I'm done with this. This guy is not good. You then put the blame on yourself. Yes. I didn't do it good enough. And then yep. I let him back in and then I can't yep. even get a man to yep. show. Ugh. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. Uh, you know, looking back at it now, obviously I know better now. Right. Um, and it was the best decision I could have made. It was hard. It was, you know, even now my, my, my son, I feel terrible. Right. But in a way it's better because I would have been miserable. And if you're miserable, you, you guess who, you, who, guess who are the first people you're going to take it out on your children. 
Yes, I had I had miserable parents. I, yeah, <laughs> I agree. Stayed with, stayed yeah. together for the kids, and and we're miserable. And, and we're miserable. And we're miserable. Right? And I felt that every yeah. freaking day. Yeah. So I am all for that, and even in like the daily lives of mothers, you know, women caretakers. I'm sure men do it too, but of course we're women and I see that more. It's just like, yeah, now I can't even do anything for myself. I can't, I can't take whatever 30 minutes, 20 minutes. I can't go away. The mom guilt, like it's just all bullshit because yeah, like imagine the version of you that does things that makes you feel good, whether that's you like going, driving in your car for 30 minutes because you need to escape or like, yeah, standing up for yourself, being in the relationships and the work that serves you, like then you're like a more vibrant, content, grounded, alive human. And who gets to benefit from that? Your children and everybody else. Who's the version of you that's resentful and hates what you do and hates that this person talks to you that way, but you just keep putting yourself in that situation. Yeah. Then you're like walking around angry, resentful, unhappy. Who gets to experience that? Your children and everybody else in the world. Like I said, the people who do, the people who don't deserve that. Yeah. So, um, yay that you woke up one day and and saw that and made the changes. And then like, so then, yeah, you said like you sort of went into it. Was that also hard for him to leave? You know, was he Mm. trying to force you to stay or finally like, okay, she found me out. I'm gone. Yeah. Yeah. It was more that. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, ah. Crap. Like I was yeah. really hoping to really I tried. I was really hoping to get that cake and eat it too <laughs> and not have her figure that shit out. But I guess I must have gotten a, I must have taken a really good nap. Right. <laughs> and then woke up and was like, what the <laughs> But yeah, I know it was um but it was like the best decision I I, I could have made. Yeah. Like, and I'm glad I, I made it at that point because I couldn't, I couldn't have, he was robbing me of my joy. Right. And I was, and I'm, you know, I'm, I've always been an exuberant, happy person and I wasn't because he was making me miserable. Right. And all the, you know, all the ooh baby ooh that he did, he was just really just trying to, to, to get into my pockets. Right. So, um, so yeah, I put a stop to that shit and I've been living happily ever after since I reclaimed that 40% of my business. So I own 100% of my business, the same, like six years or sorry, six months after that happened, I hit my first million in the business because now I was really, truly able to focus. And at that point I'd also shuttered down the decor business. Cause I saw, again, if I put my full ass into this. Imagine what could happen if I put my my whole ass into it. And was that a hard choice to make to then because but, but I'm guessing the the hair business is taking off so you can sort of see like it's already surpassed in revenue. Right. So it's right. an easier choice to make. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I could run this business at two o'clock in the morning while breastfeeding. Right. Right. So you're not out going to the weddings or having to hire people to be yeah. there at the weddings for you and manage yeah. that, too. Yeah. 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 Um, and then what leads you or first of all, you mentioned when, you know, when all that hit, hit the fan that you went into a depression, like what helped you get out? Was it just end up sort of like reclaiming yourself or the feeling like, okay, I got to like, was it a sort of starting over? Did it slowly drift away? 
it slowly drifted away. It slowly drifted away. Um, earlier on, like in 2010, I'd taken up running. So I started doing, you know, 2Ks, 3Ks, 5Ks, and then 10Ks. And one of the final things that I did was I did a tri triathlon. So I did like a third of a triathlon. Like, so you do everything, but you do it a third, right? So mm-hmm. it wasn't like a full on, you know, I can't even remember how many kilometers, but you know, it wasn't a full on triathlon. And I did that. And it was funny because I sort of came to a realization while I was running this one particular race and I, I got to the finish line and nobody was at the end cheering for me or no one that I loved was there. My, my sister and the kids were supposed to be there, but they left late, and blah, blah, blah. So when I got to the finish line, when I finished all this swimming, biking and running and nobody was there, it was a really profound moment for me. Because at that point I realized I have been doing all this stuff in life, waiting for other people to cheer for me. Here I am running one of the most, um, you know, uh, challenging things that I've ever done physically outside of having a baby, you know, that I've done in my life and there's no one at the end to cheer me on. So then I thought, I just need to be my own cheerleader. It's the only thing that makes sense. Like it's, I can't rely on other people to make me happy. I can't rely on other people to cheer me on. I have to do it for myself. So, um, so it was then that I just decided that I'm done. Like, 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 you know, I'd already kicked the man out. I would, I, you know, so now it's just like, I'm done trying to be the Vivian everyone thinks that I should be. I am now going to be the Vivian that I am. And so that's, that's my, um, my origin story. <laughs> I love it. I'm so glad I asked you about that. <laughs> it led to that amazing story. Yeah. That's, that's like 1000% like the, that's the reason the podcast is named Claim It, is that it is. Because even if everybody you loved was there cheering for you, you could still be left feeling, I'm not enough. I didn't yeah. do enough. I couldn't, didn't do this earlier when my, yeah. whatever. Yeah. That we're constantly looking outside of ourselves for validation. Once I do this, once everybody else sees this in me, then I'll feel it. But you won't. You just keep looking for it. Right. It's up to us to claim our joy, our worth, our value, and enough. And it's uh, something we have to do like all day long sometimes sometimes it's easier and sometimes it's harder and that also yeah I'm writing my first book right now about eliminating the word should from your life Mm. because we so often don't even realize like I actually don't use the word unless I'm like talking about you know a should but like we're so we're so just meant to like follow this model of what what should I do what is you know what is the t- TV, you know, what's media telling me I should look like my family expects this, I should do this, I should, what should, what should, what should. And that what changed my life was after my father passed away, suddenly I said, I was like, I'm done with the shoulds. And I was like, well, what am I going to say? Because I realized the word came out of my mouth constantly as I switched to want. And it changed everything. So from small stuff, what should I do today? What do I want to do today? What should I eat for lunch? What do I want to eat for lunch? What should I wear today? What do I want to eat? Like just by switching the word out, you're constantly asking, what do I want? And not like outsourcing your life. What should I do? Hello, anyone? Like even though you're asking yourself, you're really like looking at what would fit in? What would, what's the best way to eat this way? What yeah, would so-and-so do? Oh, I am nodding so hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, 
like, let me just talk on and I'm writing a whole book about it. So yeah. I'm like, I don't even need to. But it really like it's so deep in our psyche that it's like life changing. And then it made me be by just focusing on that one word. I suddenly was mindful of everything that I was thinking and saying I because that. I was so focused on just that one word. I love um, that. Thank you for so sharing you're, that. <laughs> you're thank, well, thank you for sharing your, yeah, your origin story. Cause that's, yeah, I was like nodding full on for <laughs> what you were saying. Um, all right. Getting a little back into your story. So mm-hmm. then that was it from you are Vivian full on from that moment on. Is that when did you start to do, uh, like coaching and stuff in the work that you're more, cause you still have success, the successful yep. yeah, business that's still going, but, um, yeah, it looks like right now and especially, oh my God, I love your what would Chad do? <laughs> like mission. <laughs> but so where did you get to like, all right, I'm doing me, my business successful. And then like, let me help other people. Let me empower others. Yeah. So what was, so after I, after this whole, you know, I went through that whole relationship breakup, um, you know, up until uh, I want to say 2018, I was hiding in plain sight. So, you know, I was running this business. I was minding my business. I was raising my baby. That's all I wanted to do. Right. And so then I remember, um, I had this girl who was on my team and she was like, I remember just telling her the story, you know, she goes, what's your, like, what's your deal? Like, what's, what's your backstory? And I told her, she's like, you need to tell more people that story. And so then when I, um, I remember she, she, um, she got me to do a speaking engagement in New York. And when I told that story, I saw like people were like, oh my God. I t- that resonates with me. Like I saw how it resonated with them. And I was like, really? Huh. Okay, cool. So, you know, I'm out there, I'm speaking, I'm speaking. Um, and then um, I did this one event called Fuck Up Nights. And it's where you basically, you know, you always hear people, you know, they're always celebrating your success, but what about your failures? Right. And so, so then I went and I, and I, it was the first time I actually told, I spoke about my failures and, you know, including my relationship and, you know, people were like, wow, like, okay, but how did you build that business? And no one had really actually asked me that before. And, um, so what happened was people would ask me questions, like just random questions. Like, I don't know, like, how do I get more, I don't know, how do I get more traction on with marketing? And I would, you know, I would sort of flippantly give them an answer like, oh yeah, you just do this, that, and that. Thinking, like, of course, everybody knows this. Right. Yeah. And then they would come back and be like, Vivian, that thing that you told me changed my business. And I was like, really? <laughs> Again, right? I was like, oh, okay. Because do you uh, think a part of you is still living back into like, I didn't even uh, graduate. Yep. I don't know enough. Yep. I just know these things. Yep. Everybody knows it. I learned it yep. on my way up when I was yep. like faking it through these jobs. Yep. Or I'm, I I'm thought just- everyone was running. I thought everyone who was on e-commerce was running a million dollar business. Like, what do you mean you did? I mean, why not? <laughs> I mean, I did it. You could, could you do it, right? It's so out, easy. It's so easy. It turns out it's not. <laughs> right? And not it's to not. say that for me it was easy, but. Right. And so then, uh, and so then I start, I was like, okay, cool. Like I can, I can do this. Like I like people, I like teaching. And so then what I did was I started to look at the, the coaching landscape. So I was like, okay, well, who else is coaching? What are they doing? What are they talking about? And I was like, none of these people know what they're talking about. <laughs> none of these people have actually done the work. None so what of you were seeing, the coaches you were looking at were, maybe they whatever they were good at giving advice oh here you go but it 
they didn't actually have the experience. No, like, they didn't hadn't actually done the work. No, They're just like here are some information I yeah, give, I, I got off research the, the ways you should run an online business <laughs> and how you should do that. And I was like, wait, so all these people pay are charging people thousands of dollars to teach them to teach them something that they've never done themselves. What? I could do that. And I've actually done it. <laughs> right. And so then I thought, well, you know, let's just, let's just try our hand at it. Right. And even through that, what I found was, you know, I, I, I had my first group, uh, you know, I was doing some one-on-one coaching um, and I, you know, successful at that. And then I started my hand at group coaching and it was in the group coaching, you know, and I did it for six months that I started to really, you know, I was like, you know what? People don't necessarily need someone to tell them strategy, like step A through B, you do this, you're successful. Because that's what, you can't even guarantee that success because how I mm, built yeah. my business isn't how you're going to build your business. But what I started to realize was that people didn't have confidence in what they were doing, especially women. So they would, um, you know, they wanted to, they had these great products, they wanted to do these great things, but they weren't they didn't have the confidence to do it or they didn't have the guidance. So there was no one that either looked like them or had the same experience or the same background as them doing the same thing and being successful at it. So what they needed was like a sounding board. They needed someone who's been there, who's done that, who has receipts, who can be like, yes, you know what? That's awesome. Keep doing that. Oh, or, you know, no girl, don't do it that way. Do it this way. Someone to give them guidance and someone to give them the confidence to make their own decisions in the business. Because if you're following someone who's like, okay, do step A, B, and C, and you'll have this guaranteed, they are doing you a huge disservice. Because when you try and go do B and B doesn't work, what are you going to do? You're going to think you're doing business wrong when really right. that's, you're not doing business wrong. You're making, you know, whatever they taught you didn't work for you. So now you got to figure out how to make it work. So that's what I, so that's the type of coaching that I provide, which is more, um, more of a, a guidance. Yeah. Like a guidance counselor, but for business. <laughs> I, I love it. I love yeah. it. I mean, yeah, I don't do like uh coaching around like br- business, but when I, the one like coaching I do is like, again, it's like you're guiding the person again, like with the should want thing, like back to themselves, but also like, here's all of these ways to, to approach it. But also it has to feel best and most aligned to you, but also be like an actual actionable item that we can do. But like, cause you can't, you can't guarantee, even if it's like every, if everybody's launching a product business, but different types of products in different market, everybody could follow the exact same blueprint. That does not mean that they're all going to be of the equal success. Exactly. Exactly. Use the same photographer, use the same website layout. Like you just don't know. And again, that's like, you're trying to force it, but it should go this way. And I should, I shouldn't blah, blah, blah. Then you're like just locking yourself into this thing. And even and a lot of times it doesn't feel good, but you're forcing yourself because that's what everybody says. Mm-hmm. And so then what, one of the things that I, I try to point out to people is that you can go and follow a, you know, someone's blueprint or their, whatever they did, but they are not you. You are the secret sauce. You are the magic and you need to infuse that into your business because that's what's going to help differentiate you from the, you know, the dozens of other people who are doing that. Right. And so then I think the type of coaching that I provide is just not only is it guidance into helping you make the practical decisions for your, your business, but it's also giving you the confidence to just be you. 
right? And that's because, you know, again, because we look at our phones and we go scroll through Instagram and we see the perfect blondes with the lattes and the this, you know, and their and their boss babes and girl bosses and all that. And it's all bullshit. And it's no. all <laughs> bullshit. It is all bullshit. Right? I mean, some of it might be different. It's like, yeah, you don't know what's behind that screen. <laughs> you don't know that they, you know, that they got that they borrowed that purse or they bought it on credit and they can't afford it. And they're, or that they're independently wealthy or married to someone pays all their bills. So I make this like, that's what a lot of I've noticed. Even I'll like get caught up with like my peers and I'm like, wait a minute. They're not, they don't even pay their own bills. Right. Like, right. 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 Of course right. they can go buy all these new shoes. Yeah. Cause that's all like they can use their income. Of yeah. Money. They use their inheritance like, to do this stuff. Right. Like that's the problem. Like you don't, I tend to attract the, the, the people who are, um, the unconventionals, right? Like the, the women who, you know, they're just not that traditional. I don't even want to say traditional, but they're not that girl boss at all. They don't fit within that. They don't fit within that mold. And, and I encourage that because why, why should we be fitting in molds when you could be like a parallelogram or a rhombus or a diamond or whatever it is, right? <laughs> And then in your process, though, the process of like, okay, I'm going to try coaching. I'm coaching. I'm doing this too. Did you have to move through more of your own like doubts and fears of sort of like, who am I? Or once, you know, like, or were you, once you had that moment, because again, like I said, with the whole claim message, it's not like, I got it. You know, you ran the, you know, you had that thing. It's me. It's not like you've had that thought. So now for the rest of your life, you're good. No. Like, (laughs) so I started to struggle, right? Because I was, I'm seeing all these people in the, in the space and they were, you know, they were, they didn't look like me. Right. They didn't have the same background as me. They didn't have the same experience as me, uh, you know, and then I would get these opportunities and I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, but I don't have the education. And then one day it just sort of occurred to me, what would a white guy do? Like, what would a white guy do in my position? Because in the e-commerce space, you see a lot of, you know, the tech, the e-commerce bros, right? They're standing on YouTube with their Maserati saying they made a million dollars in 30 days. And it's like, well, what would they do? What would Chad do? And for me, because I'm, I, again, I like to, um, I like to be hands-on. I need to put a name on it. So Chad happened to be the name. Um, and so then I would ask myself, what would Chad do? And if for those of you who don't know who Chad is, Chad is just, he's a mediocre white dude doing all the things he has no business doing. Like we're sitting, we, like, you know him, he could be your husband, he could be your ex, he could be that guy you work with, the guy you went to school with. He has the confidence and the incompetence and you just sit there and you're just like, you're marveled by it. Because how can someone be so incompetent yet be so confident about their incompetence, right? He's the president of the United States right? He is doing, like he has no business doing anything that he's doing and he's doing it mediocre, mediocrely and he's proud of it. And he's also not probably putting so much time and attention of what outfit should I be wearing? No. Oh, I better get my hair done. No. I need to lose weight before no. I get on the stage or be no. like, you know, like all of this bullshit pressure mm-hmm. that especially as women, we put ourselves on. We have to look a certain way to be this. Chad yeah. doesn't give a fuck. No, Chad does not give a rat's ass. And like, he's doing great. And he's doing, and, and that's the thing. So it's like, so I like to think as Chad as like, he's just meant to help you immediately dismiss any self, um, like any negative self-talk that pops into your head. That's really what it is. Because like, let's just say if you're like, like, you know, Chad wakes up in the morning and he decides, you know what, I'm going to ask for a raise. 
he doesn't have the quality, you know, he shouldn't even have gotten that job in the first place, but he doesn't feel the need to call 50,000 of his friends to ask them, ask their opinions on whether or not he should get a raise. Chad just decides he needs a raise and he's just going to ask for it. And he doesn't say he's sorry. He doesn't say, um, you know, oh, um, you know, I'm sorry to say this, or, you know, or trying to minimize himself or minimize his ideas or even care Would about the beer okay gut. okay if you could consider that I'm sorry I'm even taking your time? Chad doesn't do any of that shit. He just says what he wants and he's, when, you know, when, he, when his no means no and it's a full sentence. Like, he doesn't explain himself. He doesn't do any of that stuff. So whenever I find myself you know, questioning my qualifications, doubting my self-worth, doubting my skill set. I think, what would Chad do, right? And here's a perfect example of someone. Here's someone, a real life example of a Chad. So back in March or April, uh, the White House put out a tweet saying that they needed ventilators. The state of New York needed ventilators. This random dude from Silicon Valley tweets them and says, I can help, I can provide these ventilators. The state of New York gave him one of the biggest payouts in in history of that department of $69.1 million. They didn't vet him. He didn't have any receipts. And they gave him that money. Guess what? No ventilators. Wow. But he had the audacity, right? They didn't check his receipts. They just said, well, this white guy from Silicon Valley says he can provide us with something. So he must be telling the truth. And now they're trying to, they're trying to get that money back, but it's like gone. Like, what did you do? What one million dollars? But the point is, is that he had the audacity to say, I can do that. Even though he had no business, he doesn't have a medical background. He doesn't have a technology. He didn't have that sort of background, but he said, you know what? I can do it. Right. So that's the my, thing. Like, I'm like, you guys, my eyes were open super big. <laughs> yeah. And so and it's like, so you got, so if you need to think like, okay, so, you know, you know, with women, we always feel like we need to check off all the boxes before we feel like we're qualified to do something. Sis, if you only have four out of the five qualifications, I'm pretty sure you can figure out that fifth qualification. I'm positive you can. Because if you manage to get four, girl, you can get that fifth. Right? So you have to put yourself in the shoes of a mediocre white dude. And just think, what would Chad do? And do that. And do all the big things. Like, use him to just help you get that audacity. Because they have some audacity and society has rewarded him. So why can't we have the same thing? We're probably even more qualified than he is. And he's getting all the things. Why can't you have all the things, too? I love it so much. I love it. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever people, like, it's funny. Because I lose Chad. And then when I explain, they're like, oh! Like, I get it. I get yeah. It. No, yeah. I got it right away. Mm-hmm. I, but I remember like scrolling and like seeing what would Chad do on the Vita. And I'm like, oh, okay, who's, who's Vivian talking about it? And then like, as soon as I read it, I was like, oh my God, of course. Like, yes, this is so good. We all know. This is so good. His name might be Brad, Brian, Mark, you know, right. whatever, but it's still, he's still a Chad. Yep. Yep. I love it so, so, so much. Okay. I'm going to get to the questions. I, um, I ask everybody first, I'm going to bring up an image of, these are all phrases that go on keychains for my product line. And I ask every guest to pick not necessarily which phrase they like the most, but which one they would want in their life as a reminder right now and why. I am magic. Oh, love that for you. I I am magic just because I feel like as a woman, especially like we do some magical shit. 
<laughs> right? And then once we believe in ourselves, oh man, watch how. Like we just, we could go from zero to a hundred and like, like it's nothing. And, you know, even if you look at, you know, even this whole COVID situation, if you look at the countries that handled it the best, they're all led by women, <laughs> New Zealand and Japan and, or was it Japan? I can't remember, but I know New Zealand for sure. You know, and she, and she's the prime minister and she had a baby while in office and she handled that COVID shit. Right. So I would say, yeah, I'm magic because I am damn it. Yes, you so are. Uh, own that magic. Okay. What is a go-to you do to raise your joy levels? If you're like not feeling something, something got into your skin. Music. Music, Music. makes me high. Um, you know, I have, I have a playlist called Big Viv Energy. All where right. it's just, where it's just, it's on Spotify. So you just look up Vivian K, K-A-Y-E. And, right, I'll find it and I'll yeah, link it in the show and it's, notes. Yeah, and it's just, or I could, yeah, I can just send it to you. But yeah, yeah, it's just a bunch of, it's just songs that just raise my vibration and you know, make me high. And I could use some right now. Um, but because I'm not, you know, this week I've been, I've been having an off week and it's okay to have an off week. Like yes. everyone thinks, oh, you got to be on 100 all the time. No, girl, no, you don't. Nope. You're allowed to turn down the volume every once in a while and, you know, keep some magic to yourself, right? And so... So music, music makes me high. All right. When we end this, go turn on your playlist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I ask everybody how to apply this phrase to their own life because it's something that helps me like get myself out of my my own way often is what is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean it's hard because sometimes it is an easy choice, but we're just like make things too hard. So what is easiest for me is to do blank. What is best for me is to do... What is easiest for me is to be, I would say negative. It's easy to be negative, right? Like you always can spot the negative things, right? But it's best for me to be positive and to look for the good, right? And so then I always, I always think, you know, the more I focus my mind on the good things, the more good that comes into my life, right? So yeah, I, it's, it's easy to be negative, but it's better to look for the good. Love that. Yeah. I like to say like, I'm a realist. So like seeing the full picture and not just like letting myself only, I can only like see the good and look up here, but it's just like, see the full picture mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then choose. Okay. Okay. I'm going to choose to look up. I'm going to choose to see mm-hmm. how can I shift my perspective on this? How can yeah. I approach this in my day from the energy that I want and not fall down the deep hole? Because it's very easy to fall down that hole. That hole is so enticing. like there's a lot of shit it's a lot lot of shit shit. right but you know what a lot of shit you gotta think of shit as manure love it so shit is manure you know everyone knows manure you soil is just mediocre on its own right it's just soil okay whatever but once you add manure to it 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 gives the plants nutrients and it gives it more life and it makes it bigger better and, and and greener so you have to think of all the shit that you go through as manure it's only there if you if you take it and you make it and you till it or whatever they do with manure <laughs> and you make it so that it makes you a better person and a bolder person and a bigger person, then just think of all the shit you go through as manure. Right. It's like supporting your growth. Right. It's supporting my growth. It's going to make my shit stink. <laughs>
The name of the podcast is Claim It. I mentioned before because I feel like, you know, we can't keep putting our feelings of I'm, I'll be successful when or I'll feel fulfilled when I'll feel enough when joy when this happens, putting it outside of ourselves. And I feel it's things we have to claim for ourselves every single day, sometimes every moment of the day. What are you claiming for yourself right now? Mm, I'm claiming I am claiming my success. Yes. I'm claiming it because for so long I felt like I, I didn't deserve it or, you know, um, it wasn't meant for me, but shit, all this shit's meant for me. All of yes, it. Every, it all of it. I'm claiming it and it's going to, I'm just, I'm going to go to the tippy tippy top. <laughs> so I'm claiming that. I'm, I'm, and, it's, and with that claims the joy, claims the happiness, claims peace, claims money, claims all sorts of all sorts of things. All I know is I'm here. I have but one life. I have one life to live and I plan to live it to its fullest extent. And I'm going to do my best at everything I could possibly do because that's what I deserve. Yes. I love it. And I feel like we can often feel like, I can't claim it. What does that mean about me or whatever? But when you're claiming yourself, like I was getting chills and like, that's you shining brighter and owning yourself fully, which only like made your light reflect onto me. It's exactly. not like, oh, Vivian's better than me. Or no. like, I will never be as successful of her. That it's just like, look at that. Look at that person owning it and stepping into it and claiming it. Like it's, makes you more like vibrational. Exactly. It makes you, it makes people want to more like be in your realm and your exactly. space. It doesn't take away from anybody else. No. It's and like, everyone shines differently. Oh, right? let me, into, let me yeah. step into that light with you. Let me. <laughs> and everyone shines differently, right? Like I may yeah. shine like the sun. You may shine like a star. You may, another one may shine like a diamond. You can shine like a flashlight. Everyone, <laughs> you get, everyone deserves to shine. You just need to shine in your own way. You don't have to shine like me. Shine like you. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so on board. Yeah, that's one of my free my key phrases also is own your awesome. That's the new my affirmation mm -hmm. deck and mm -hmm. I have an app too and it's like total. Own who you are. Own, own your you awesome. Are. Whether Shine if they it. don't like it, they can go kick rocks with flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs> I need to put a lot of shit on the keychains. I know that. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, Vivian, You're for everything and for shining it. <laughs> okay, how can you not love Vivian? I am going to have links to all of her stuff. She even sells some What Would Chad Do merch items like tote bags and stuff. So fun. Um, you can go follow her on Instagram at It's Vivian K. And I'm going to link her kinky curly yaki. She's got all sorts of things going on in the full show notes. You can find full show notes at yourjoyologist.com slash podcast, and you'll find all the episodes there. And all things me are at yourjoyologist and at yourjoyologist.com. Please feel free to DM, reach out, share your favorite parts. I love hearing from you and my guests do also. So, hey, let me know. What are you listening to? What are you loving? What was your biggest aha? And I would really, really, really love if you subscribe to the podcast and then leave a review. If you leave a review in the Apple podcast app, please screenshot it and you can email it to me at podcast at yourjoyologist.com and I will send you a little gift from my product line. Just like I have everybody pick a keychain, I've got the Own Your Awesome Affirmation deck, 
I've got journals. I've got all sorts of goodies to empower you to own who you are and to claim your joy, your worth, your value for yourself. You can also make sure to download the Own Your Awesome Daily Inspiration app that is in both the Google Play and the Apple App Stores. Get a daily dose of inspiration, affirmation, a thought to consider. It's a lot of fun. All right. Thank you again for spending time with me. Let's finish it out with thinking, what are you claiming for yourself right now? Maybe it's in your day, like I'm claiming peace. I'm claiming joy. Maybe it's in your life, like Vivian claiming you are successful right now. What are you claiming? Let me know. Claim it. And I'll find you here next week or keep on listening to more awesome episodes.